Katie Books Productions presents Lenny Gray, an audio drama written, produced, and narrated by Earl Sewell. Previously on Lenny Gray. Child, can't you see the devil is doing all the killing already and I'm thankful for it. He finally answered my prayers. Why you been praying to the devil? Lenny Gray's voice trembled. Because I told him I'd give him my soul and the soul of my generations if he killed them no good quinnies. He done took it a step further and decided to kill more than I asked him to. Why didn't you pray to God to help your heart forgive him? Because God didn't answer fast enough. Uh, see, Lenny, I told you, God don't care nothing about us. Lenny Gray's heart jumped in her throat. She felt lightheaded, and her skin began to itch for no apparent reason. Lenny Gray remained silent as she tried to understand what type of family had she married into, and if her unborn baby would come out cursed. As she sat on the wagon, bumping along and rocking back and forth, the world around her seemed surreal. Lenny Gray bumped along in the wagon, having an internal battle with her thoughts. Curly and Tom behaved like vultures, feasting on a fresh carcass after talking to Dr. Roddy. Tom and Curly have lost their God-fearing minds. Lenny Gray could not get that short, angry narrative that was causing her anxiety out of her mind. Before she left, Tom and Curly raided Billy and Riley's house. They took their guns, clothes, money, and their cars. Y'all is gonna get killed for taking all of this stuff. Lenny Gray warned them as they hastily loaded up the cars. We ain't sticking around, Lenny. Tom's lips formed a hard, straight line across his face. We leaving this town today. By the time somebody figures out all of this stuff is missing, we'll be long gone. Besides, they can't take any of this stuff with them. She couldn't appeal to any type of moral compass to get them to stop looting from the dead. In her heart and mind, there was something mean-spirited and ungodly about what they had done. Instead of helping them, she took the mule and wagon and headed back towards the shacks so that she could tell as many folks as she could the instructions Dr. Roddy had given her. She knew that at a time like this, folks would be at the church praying. So, that's where she went. She brought the wagon to a halt on the side of the church, which was in desperate need of restoration. She stepped off the wagon and groaned slightly as she walked up onto the porch and opened the door. When she treaded inside, 
she found a good number of people on their knees in front of the cross praying silently and weeping. Lenny Gray hesitated for a moment before she interrupted the somber moment. <clears throat> I got some news from Dr. Roddy, Lenny Gray announced. Her presence struck a long, dark shadow against the floor planks that nearly stretched all the way up to the pastor's podium. What did he say? asked Pastor Wilson, who had downward frowns tugging at the corners of his mouth and eyes. I got news about what the sickness is. Lenny Gray projected her voice louder. People in the church got up from their knees and turned. Well, don't hold on to it, child. Tell us what to do. The expression on their faces were filled with the depths of their grief and despair. However, in their eyes, she saw flickers of hope dancing in them. They all hung their existence on Lenny Gray's next words. Dr. Roddy say this thing that's going around is called a Spanish flu. The soldiers bought it back. Dr. Roddy say don't gather in places like churches and other public spaces. He also say we should wear a mask over our face and mouth. Is that all? Is there a cow for it? Are they going to share it with us? Asked Pastor Wilson, pressing her for additional information. Nah, he didn't say nothing about no cure, Lenny Gray admitted. When she said it, the faint flames of hope she saw earlier got snuffed out. Well, why is some getting sick and some ain't? I don't know. He just say, cover your nose and mouth and don't be around each other. He also say that we should bury our dead because ain't nobody coming to do it for us. Lenny Gray parroted what she'd heard. The Lord is our best and only hope. We must repent of our sins, children, and hope that the Lord shows mercy on all of us who have come to his house to praise and thank him. I say, as long as we're in the house of the Lord, we is okay. Pastor Wilson tried to sound strong and assuring. Just as Lenny Gray was about to remind him how Robin May had come to the church, got sick, and died, someone up front, near the pastor, began coughing uncontrollably. Leave. A voice deep inside whispered softly to Lenny Gray. It was a voice she'd never heard before. It was soft and loud at the same time. The voice seemed to come from deep within her soul, and it frightened her. She rushed out of the church, got back on the wagon, and ordered the mule to move along. When she returned to the farmhouse, she saw two Model T Fords parked out front and noticed how Curly, Ida, and Tom were hurriedly loading them up. Lenny Gray pulled up to the side of the shanty and climbed down. What's going on? Lenny Gray asked, sensing panic and urgency all around her. She knew what was taking place. Deep inside, she was like them. She wanted to leave. But she didn't want to leave with the sin of theft on her shoulders. Get all of your stuff, Lenny. We leaving. Curly said, as more of a commandment than a request. His shirt was so soaked with sweat that it looked like he had fallen into the nearby creek. Y'all are really going to do this. Lenny Gray's emotions and moral values had paralyzed her where she stood. I left your suitcase on the floor next to our blanket. Go pack it as fast as you can. You hear? 
Curly threw his words at her while placing items in the car. This is wrong, Curly, Lenny Gray balked. Her eyes were wide, as if she had been startled. The imperfect existence she had settled into was being dismantled, and for reasons beyond her understanding, it upset her. Curly stopped loading up the car and approached her. He placed his heavy hands on her shoulders and looked deeply into her eyes. She saw a wildness in them he had never shown her before. Lenny, this ain't no goddamn time to be talking about right and wrong. We got to go and we got to go right now. Curly's words were like a shotgun blast that caused Lenny Gray's heart to beat at a pace it had never known. Well, y'all stop fussing at each other and get moving. Ida woofed at them while handing Tom a sack filled with their belongings. Where's my daddy? Where's Tangy May? Lenny Gray asked. They're going to meet us at the new place, Curly said, nudging Lenny Gray hard in the direction of the shanty. Curly, I'm scared. Y'all done robbed dead people, and I don't know if I... Lenny, just go pack your shit and get in a goddamn car. That's all you need to know for now. You was asking all these questions at the wrong time. When I found your black ass out on the railroad tracks, you couldn't wait to leave this place. Now that we is leaving, you acting like you want to stay put. Make up your mind, woman. Curly roared at her, and this time he pushed her towards the shanty. Ah! Ah! Lenny Gray couldn't catch her voice. Something was choking it and preventing her from saying more. Lenny, if you don't come along, some folks are going to come around here looking for the stuff we took from Billy and Riley. And they ain't going to be nice when they ask questions about it. Don't nobody know where we headed but us. And if none of us is around to answer questions, then they ain't going to find us. Do you understand that? Tom asked. We coming, Daddy. I can handle Lenny, Curly said. He grabbed Lenny Gray's shoulders and clamped down like the jaws of a mean dog. Lenny Gray moaned, feeling the pain of Curly's strength weigh her down. You listen to me good, woman. If you don't do like I tell you, I'm going to slap you out of your goddamn skin. You hear me? Okay, Curly. Lenny Gray surrendered and began sobbing. I'll get my things. Hours later, as the sun fell below the horizon, Lenny Gray broke the silence that was like a heavy fog floating between them. The thick fog had been there since they departed from Dixon Mills. Where are we going? She asked softly. Mississippi. What's in Mississippi? My mama got family there. We're going to get a new start. Curly rolled down the window and spit out tobacco juice. He'd taken the tobacco from Riley's house. Where are we going to live, Curly? This baby coming soon. Huck Kim folks got enough room for us? We gonna get our own farm and our own land, Curly said proudly. Lenny Gray noticed that his chest seemed to rise a little higher after those words passed through his lips. How we gonna do that? Color folks can't buy no land without money. We got money, Lenny. From where? 
Wait, I already know the answer. From the Quinnies, Lenny Gray immediately found herself in combat with her morals and the reality of her need to survive. Damn right we took it, and they have plenty of it, Curly said, turning on the headlights. They can't use it. The Lord just don't like, look, don't go preaching to me none. Curly cut her off. The money we took didn't belong to nobody but my daddy. He was the next of kin. If we didn't take it right then, you and I both know he would have never ever seen it. So it wasn't stealing, Lenny. My daddy just took what was rightfully his. He took it before other white folks stole it. And don't tell me that they would not have done it. They would have come in there, found the money, and kept it, just like we did. The night air was chilly, so she folded her arms and tucked her fingers into her armpits to keep them warm. She was momentarily distracted by the ticking of the car's engine, but then continued talking. That night, when y'all found me on the railroad tracks, I was running away to go north, Lenny Gray whispered as she turned her attention outward at the pastures that seemingly had no edges to it. I ain't heard about no farming up north. Curly's voice was stern and unyielding. I heard they got cities up there and that black folks can get a job doing all kinds of things. Stuff like taking in washing or being a maid for women. And for the men, they got slaughterhouses and factory jobs. You already know how to gut animals. I bet you could find work real quick. Maybe we should try life out up north. A perturbed expression formed on Curly's face. And he said, Lenny, we ain't going north. We going to Mississippi. Farming is the onlyest thing I know how to do, and it's the onlyest thing I want to do. Going north is the craziest idea I ever heard. Why does that sound crazy? Lenny was wounded by Curly's comment. She sensed that he did not want to give her thoughts or ideas any legitimacy. Because it do. You try to live high on the hog and become one of them shitty folks who think they know more than what they do. We're going to be fine making it the best way we can. How you know it's all bad if you ain't never been? Lenny Gray asked. How you know it's better if you ain't never been? Curly answered her question with one of his own. The tension between them became thick and hung in the air like the stench of a night bucket. My daddy say we can get something called a homestead, just like them Quintus had. We buy some land and fix it up. He heard in Mississippi the government is looking for folks to start a homestead, and that's what we're going to do. We're going to get one and farm it. That's the way it's going to be, Lenny. All we're going to do is settle for a short time with my mama's folks, then go to the government office and talk to the people about buying a piece of land. Lenny Gray's feelings were beyond bruised by Curly's dismissal of her dream of a better life in a northern city. The loss of her dream hurt. Her emotions took over, and she felt tears stinging the back of her eyes. That deep feeling of wanting to run away, of wanting to be free, 
and make a better life on her own had been placed on its deathbed, and Lenny Gray had to grieve the loss of it. This is Earl Sewell, author, creator, and narrator of the audio drama podcast, Lenny Gray. I wanted to stop in to say thank you to the listeners of the show. This show has been listened to in a number of countries, and I wanted to take a moment to acknowledge the people in the following countries for listening to this podcast. And here they are in no particular order. China, the U.S., Hong Kong, Russia, Colombia, South America, Argentina, South America, Australia, Finland, Hungary, Germany, France, Ireland, England, the Philippines, Bulgaria, Italy, Canada, Nigeria, and South Africa. I don't know who you are, but I do know that you're tuning into the show weekly or bi-weekly uh, for that matter. I know that you're tuning into this podcast bi-weekly, and I wanted to give you a personal thank you. I really, really appreciate that. Um, I really appreciate you for taking the time to listen to my creativity. Also, please feel free to share a link to this podcast on all of your social media websites and recommend it to friends. The second thing, if you want a little bit more about the Lenny Gray uh, podcast, I have a Facebook group that you can go and join. It's called Lenny Gray Audio Drama Podcast. It's a Facebook group. It's free to join. You can go over there and you can get some behind the scenes stuff about the podcast and a little bit more about me. I hope you will take the time to join me in that group. And the last thing that I want to share with you. Lenny Gray is just one of about 25 novels I've written. Lenny Gray is one that I turned into a podcast. I have a number of other works. Another one of my works is called Keisha's Drama. It's book one in an eight-book series, and it's a young adult series. So for those of you who have young adult readers and you want to give them some really good reading, then try out Keisha's Drama. What is about to follow is an excerpt from that novel. I hope you enjoy it. Oh, and by the way, you can download Keisha's Drama wherever books are sold via Amazon, via uh, Barnes & Noble, or Books A Million. I hope you enjoy this excerpt from Keisha's Drama. I'm really not the type of girl who likes to get caught up in a lot of drama. But sometimes, I feel like drama is closer to me than my own shadow. And sometimes, situations become explosive. Like an earth-shattering thunderclap that comes with strong spring storm. I know that's a messed up way to think about my life, but it's true. I just saw my so-called boyfriend Ronnie at the movie theater with his arm around a girl from school. 
There I was at a movie by my damn self because he told me that he couldn't hang out because he had to study for a chemistry exam. He was working on chemistry, but not the type that was in a book. He didn't even see me in the darkness of that movie theater. He sat two rows in front of me. He started whispering in her ear as he fed her his nachos. When I saw him do that, I lost my cool. I jumped up out of my seat, took the lid off my slushy, walked down the steps toward them and said, you need something to help drink with that? And threw my drink on him. Then the messed up part is the fact that I had to hustle up on the money to even go to the movie theater by braiding hair for some badass kids. And not only is the Ronnie situation messed up, my whole life is messed up. And I just don't know what to do.